hard-hitting questions coming out of yesterday. You know, I think one of them was uh, whether or not the horns down is going to be 15-yard penalty uh, in the SEC in the future. That it was very important to finish uh, and to collect the trophy and to win 10 games and win a game on New Year's Day and all those things. And uh, believe me, we had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything at South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. So there's a report in the Houston Chronicle that, that Texas and Oklahoma are inquiring about joining the SEC. <laughs> I bet they would. <laughs> War Eagle. Feels good to say that. All right. <clears throat> I didn't even remember that 12 years ago, but now that you say that, because I believe there was something about someone didn't have Tebow first team all SEC. And as usual, I was accused of that. So <laughs> I brought my ballot to, to show everyone, to show Urban. Um, so. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo for this episode, but don't worry. Got a quick show here. Didn't want to go a day without giving you guys a pod. But we do have some news and notes. Got some great games lined up for this weekend. It's another bye week here in the SEC. About half the league's off. But the games we do got, man, we got some barn burners here. And going to dive into the Florida-Georgia matchup here in just a second. But before we get to that, hey, it looks like the only Vol sadder than Cousin Shane after Tennessee lost to Ole Miss there at Neyland Stadium. If you missed what I think is the best non-SEC programming out there at the moment, Eli and Peyton, their Monday night football broadcast. I learn something new every time I watch this show, but uh, it's great entertainment too. And if you caught it, if not, I'll throw it up on the YouTube channel here. But old Peyton, he lost the bet to uh, his brother Eli. And with the uh, Ole Miss being victorious there on Rocky Top, Peyton had to wear the Ole Miss jersey during the whole thing. So I just thought that was fantastic. But, hey, it just goes to show, man, you could go on to an NFL Hall of Fame career, yet here it's all about college football to people that know best. And that's the way it is in the Manning family, and that's the way it is on this show. Hell, maybe we should have Cousin Shane wear an Ole Miss jersey the next time he's on the show. We keep getting – if he won't stop complaining. How about that? But I just thought that was fantastic. And, uh, hey, speaking of some SEC matchups, like I said, this week not uh, a great slate of games. Week 10, my goodness, the SEC has come out and announced the Week 10 kickoffs. I'll go ahead and throw those up on the screen now on the YouTubes. We'll start with the games that actually have definitive kickoff times and broadcast information. But, man, how about this? Liberty and Hugh Freeze returning to Oxford. This one has been circled since Hugh Freeze got to Liberty. Didn't think he'd even be Liberty's coach at this point. I figured he'd jump to another job. Well, he is indeed 
Bring in the Flames. I think that's what they're called. To Oxford, November 6th. It's going to be an 11 o'clock Central, noon Eastern on SEC Network. Liberty's only lost two games. I believe they're 6-2. and two, So that's shaping up to be a really good game here. Hugh Freeze versus uh, Lane Kiffin, head-to-head. Mississippi State at Arkansas, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central on the SEC Network. And thank God the SEC said, you know, let's not give uh, Arkansas noon kickoffs for the rest of the time. They're getting one. And, you know, this is really unfortunate. That kind of bothers me because we had the Texas-Arkansas game. What a setting that was for the Razorbacks. They only were able to showcase that one time this year, game at night. I don't know what in the hell they were thinking there. That was just such a a sight to behold. Some opportunities missed for the SEC to kind of let the Razorback fans have their night games. That's something that's got to be corrected. Now, how about this one? I know Cousin Shane cannot wait for this one. Tennessee at Kentucky. That's going to be at 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central on ESPN2 nationally televised. Kentucky has not lost at home this season and those fans have been showing up selling out this game is already officially a sellout so that's going to be quite the atmosphere up there in lexington on november 6th florida at south carolina 7 30 eastern 6 30 central on sec network this is uh another one that's usually a nooner but this is getting the night treatment so Hey, South Carolina, you got two weeks to prepare. We just had some news. We'll get to that with the Gamecocks here in just a second. But, hey, this is your opportunity. This potentially is your bowl hopes on the line here. You're able to beat the Florida Gators. You've played them tough damn near every year under Will Muschamp. I know last year was a little one-sided. But even that game, I think going into the fourth quarter, if I recall, there was you know, some hope you may win it. So, Florida playing Georgia this week. Who knows what happens there? You may be getting a vulnerable Florida Gators team here. But, you know, that that should be a, one where the fans show up and, and give their all for the South Carolina Gamecocks, give them a nice little home field advantage. Now, we got three other games on November 6th, but none of these, the time slots, the broadcast information, none of it has been fa- finalized. LSU at Alabama, Missouri at Georgia, and Auburn at Texas A&M. And this is very confusing, but this is the way the SEC's laid it out. All three of these games, one of them is going to be the noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central on ESPN game, right after college game day. One is going to be the SEC on CBS game. And then one will be, one will be the ESPN night game at 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. And I got to assume that Auburn at Texas A&M is going to be the CBS game. I would think LSU at Alabama is going to be the night game in Missouri, Georgia at noon. But again, none of that's been finalized. They're going to wait till this weekend's results to make those decisions. But like I said, man, this November 6th slate, I cannot wait for it. This is going to be one of the best weekends in the SEC. So cannot wait for that. Teams will be off of buys and... But I I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself. We still got some games this week, but let's get into it. News out of the SEC, kind of big news here. South Carolina has announced Zeb Nolan, quarterback, will undergo a minor surgery on Tuesday for a meniscus tear on his right knee. 
And the hope is that he'll be ready for this Florida night game on November 6th. Now, I'm told this is a two- to four-week recovery process, so I don't know. Can he really be ready for November 6th? It's going to be cutting it close, and even if he is available, his mobility should be pretty limited. So, man, you're just in a tough, tough spot. You're Shane Beamer, Marcus Satterfield. I know he's not the most popular guy in Columbia at the moment, but you've already lost Luke Doty for the season. Now Zeb Nolan after just getting crushed there against Texas A&M. That... I feel bad for him. We had Jason Brown come off the bench and looked pretty solid. I mean, it was mop-up duty there, but Brown did have an interesting tweet, so let's throw that up on the screen. It kind of leads me to believe that he's going to be the starting quarterback here for the Florida game. Now, again, maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but following this news, you got to think that Nolan, even if he is available for the November 6th game against Florida, is going to be limited, so... You're really going to roll into that thing with a limited quarterback. You got to hope that, uh, you know, two weeks to prepare Jason Brown can, the staff can get the most out of him. And I think you got to hand the keys to him and, and see where this thing's at. Maybe do we move to carry on Joyner back to quarterback? Maybe we see the uh, freshman Colton uh, Gutierrez, I think is how you say his name. Will we see him at all? I don't know. But we've already seen Brown on the field. We saw it last week against Texas A&M. Looks pretty good. Again, that was in mop-up duty, but I got to believe that he's going to be the guy for the Gamecocks next weekend. They're on a bye this week, but, hmm, man, it's getting dicey. But, again, who knows? You pull an upset here, bowl game, much more realistic, and all that doom and gloom, it could turn on a dime, man, with just one upset. So don't give up just yet there, Gamecocks. You got four games left. I believe three of them are at home. So there is hope that uh, the Gamecocks finish strong here before the season is done. The big game here in the SEC East this weekend, Florida, Georgia, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It's funny, they won't, uh, <laughs> they don't let us use that, yet it's uh, sponsored by Dos Equis, something that uh, Austin Burledge Noted on Twitter, I'll throw that tweet up there. But I mean, I, how hilarious is that? We, it, this game sponsored by Dos Equis, yet we can't call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Give me a break. That It's the cocktail party to me. It's the cocktail party to all these Florida and Georgia fans that uh, travel down to Jacksonville to have themselves a good time. But, you know, an interesting matchup here, of course, where, you know, it's, cl it's too cliche to say that uh, the records don't matter when rivals meet. But, hey, I mean, this is a game where... Each year, you know, they, these two want to kill each other. They want to hurt the opponent. Uh, you want to ruin each other's dreams. Usually the SEC East is on the line. Obviously not the case this year as Florida stumbled one too many times. And Kentucky currently the uh, second place team there in the East. But Florida tied for third with the Tennessee. And, of course, they have the tiebreakers. So maybe if you beat Georgia, you get into this thing. But you, you need Georgia to stumble somewhere else along the line, maybe to a Tennessee, as unrealistic as that seems. But it's interesting because both of these teams, I know one's obviously number one in the nation's one unranked. They both have quarterback questions going into this thing. Will it be JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett for Georgia? Will it be Anthony Richardson or Emory Jones for Florida? And the answers to those questions could dictate what we see on the field for both these teams. 
And I really think that, uh, you know, I, I think this is a dangerous game for the Georgia Bulldogs. As dominant as they've been, as good as they've looked, and certainly no one here backing down from the fact that Georgia looks like the best team in the SEC, the best team in the country. But, again, we've seen it time again where you get a bye, and sometimes that cools your momentum. Will that happen for Georgia? Who knows? Unlikely, the, the way they're playing, all the good players they've got, and you would think that uh, two weeks to prepare, getting guys back from injury, that would propel them more than anything. But I think this is somewhat of a trap game for the, the Georgia Bulldogs. And you got to believe losing to Florida last season is going to help the Georgia Bulldogs keep their focus. But, again, you turn on the tape, you see what they did just getting trounced by LSU. Suddenly you <laughs> It's harder to look back to last year and, and to have respect for this Florida Gators team. So, will the Georgia Bulldogs overlook the Gators? That's a big question mark in my mind. But we have to remember, you know, this is a Georgia team that has not had a letdown all season. Not expecting that against the Florida Gators, their biggest rival. All due respect to uh, Georgia Tech and Auburn and all these. It's Florida Gators for the Georgia Bulldogs. I know Alabama, maybe you could argue, is a, a close second there, but... Obviously, they don't play every season. So it's kind of hard for me to believe that Georgia's going to overlook Florida. But I really do think this could be a good game. And I I know Dan Mullen's catching all kinds of hell. But, you know, he's key to the reason why I think this will be a game. He's had success against Kirby Smart in his defense. He's had success in a, a lot of these games where his team's not expected to win. And if Anthony Richardson, now he's got two weeks to prepare I think Florida fans hoping and praying he's the starting quarterback. If he is, and he's had two weeks of getting the, the reps here with the ones in Gainesville, I think that makes Florida a very dangerous team, a team with nothing to lose. This is a game that, uh, you know, your season obviously not the way you want it. And I don't want to say there's nothing left to play for because there's quite a bit to play for, but this is a type of game that could save your season if you're the Florida Gators. And this is a game that could – completely turn around your season and potentially ruin Georgia's chances of making a college football playoff. I mean, it, it would eliminate their margin for error. I don't know how far they would fall in the polls, but you got to think they would take a slight step back. And God knows these pollsters love Cincinnati and Oklahoma and all these other jokers out there. So who knows how far Georgia would fall and Alabama would probably jump them. I don't know, just something to think about here. But, again, it's interesting. Georgia, quarterback questions, that is something that Kirby Smart got asked left and right during his media availability here on Monday. And, as you'd expect, no answers, really. Coach, I'll get the quarterback question. Welcome today right off the bat for you. I guess, first of all, can you just kind of clarify your comments to Chris Lowe last week about kind of what you meant about the current situation? And part two of my question is, Assuming JT is healthy, uh, how are you going to go about deciding this week who will start the game Saturday? Well, it's just like I told him, everything's going to be based on practice. And no decision's been made whatsoever. And he did practice uh, Wednesday and uh, did, did pretty good. And then he practiced Thursday and, and did well in terms of didn't have pain before, during, or after. And that's what we're looking for is, is it bothering you today? Uh, can you throw today? Yes. Did you throw today? Yes. How does it feel after? not pain there and again we'll continue down that same path uh today with him and see how he feels good thing is he's gotten a good 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday, really almost four days once you count from the last practice to this practice, all the players have. So uh, in terms of that, it'll be based on how practice goes. And um, no determination's been made, nor will it be made. It's based on performance on the field. And uh, it's like just like with our guys that came back from ankle injuries, I mean, they were back and everybody was asking about Darnell. Well, Darnell was back and he was 100% of what he could be 100% but he wasn't really ready to play yet either. So I think it all depends on uh, where, where JT is and where Stetson is and what gives us the best chance to win. And Stetson's done a good job since he's been playing, and JT's done a good job when he's played. The good thing is we, we feel like we've got really three or four good quarterbacks that are ready to play. Kirby, with re regard to the quarterback situation, you've, you've handled some pretty difficult, you know, uh, hard decisions over the years. How much is chemistry? Is chemistry part of that? And is is do you do you address that in any way, and if so, how with the team? Yeah, chemistry is very important, but I don't typically address it with the team. I don't feel like we have a chemistry issue with either quarterback. I've said repeatedly, I don't think our offensive players really pay attention to or know who's back there most of the time, especially this year where there's been a lot of interchangeable parts. I mean, Carson's gone with the ones, Stetson's gone with the ones, JT's gone with the ones, JT's been out, Carson's been hurt, Stetson's had lower back. I mean, we've had a revolving door in terms of guys that have gone there. I, I really don't think that it's uh, a big deal for the uh, offensive players in terms of who's in there and the continuity piece. Kirby, you've gone up against Coach Mullen plenty. Uh, what is it that makes him just a, a really good play caller, and what, what are you seeing out of what, what he's doing this year with, with the, the team he has on offense? He always does a great job of utilizing the skill set of the players he has. You know, probably more at Mississippi State, he had different kinds of quarterbacks. He went through, I mean, he, he, he's proven that he can win with all kinds, whether you say it's a pocket QB, whether you say it's a, a running QB, you say it's a dual threat QB, everybody has these classifications, but he plays to the skill set of his skilled players, and that includes his quarterback. So seeing what he's done with Dak, seeing what he's done with Trask, seeing what he's done with uh, Tim Tebow, even he goes far back when he had him, he's done a tremendous job of packaging uh, what they do well, whether that's play action, whether that, I mean, he has a lot of different packages he uses, and. Sometimes the history of that can be detrimental to you because you end up chasing ghosts of, of, of things he's done in the past or plays he used. And at the end of the day, it boils down a lot more to how do the players play, not what are the defenses or offensive that we call. So what does it say about the Georgia Bulldogs here? Number one team in the nation. I can't really recall a time where we've had such a dominant team, yet we don't really know who the starting quarterback is and who should it be in a marquee matchup here. Uh, of course, Kirby Smart is uh, no stranger to quarterback dilemmas here. Seems like damn near every season they're having to battle some adversity at the quarterback position. And, you know, this could be something that potentially causes a roadblock or a hiccup, if you will, on the schedule is maybe a mismanagement of the quarterback situation. So th that's just something to consider heading into this game. Stetson Bennett. JT Daniels, JT Daniels, when will he be ready? Stetson Bennett, is he the hot hand? Do you stick with him? Uh, that's got to be something that's got to be on the back of your mind if you're Kirby Smart. Now, on the other side of things, of course, Dan Mullen, left and right, getting these questions of who's the quarterback going to be? Fans are dying to know. 
They wanted to be Anthony Richardson, given all the uh, talent that he has and the potential he's flashed, kind of fed up with Emory Jones and the mistakes on the field, although he's flashed against Alabama. So it's a tough, tough position to be put in. And Dan Mullen was asked it left and right here on Monday as well. How do you guys normally do practice reps with the two quarterbacks? And is that going to change? I mean, the, the way yeah, you're we get we get well. You got to get both guys ready to go play. So would they both? We you know uh, uh, we both get guys a lot of reps. Um, maybe just it's probably a little bit more even than a lot of places where like the one gets a lot of reps and the twos get minimal reps. Um, the quarterbacks, we try to keep them uh, pretty evened out so that they're both ready to play. You're a snap away from those guys getting on the field. So you kind of do that with a lot of positions across the board. You roll them through to get the reps, to get them ready to play. Any change at that position this week? Uh, yeah, I mean, not really. We're going to keep planning the same way. We plan on playing both of the guys like we have. Yeah, this is kind of a weird question, so forgive me, but for, for fans being – Having a starting quarterback, knowing who the guy is, is a big deal. Is it a big deal to you? Um, sure, at times. Depends on your situation. Depends on a lot of different things that go on um, within your team and the makeup of your team and the environment of your team, uh, of how things go, you know. Uh, again, I'll always – it's an interesting mindset. I think people get so caught up in the, in the starter – Okay, and a starter is defined, if I'm correct, as who plays the first play of the game? Yes. Yeah. So I don't get as caught up because I can't tell you. I haven't decided on what, what, I'm, what play I'm going to run on the first play of the game yet. So, you know, I mean, hey, we might come out in the wishbone on Saturday. All three tailbacks then start and no receivers start. Is that a that, – so then all of a sudden that, that becomes a weird deal, right? Hey, we didn't – we didn't have, we, did, we you know, I mean, and even if we ran that for one play, that defines then who the starter was. So I don't get caught up in all that stuff as much as the starting the game, as the flow of the game, who plays the most plays. You know, good question everybody should do is who finishes the game. And if that ain't bad enough, Dan Mullen also getting questioned left and right on Todd Grantham and where this uh, defense is at, heading into uh, a, a showdown with the number one team in the country. Hey Dan, I know you said last year uh, defensively in terms of reevaluation, it would really boil down to whether or not you thought schematically you guys were sound. Mm -hmm. What's what, are you still believe that you guys are schematically sound right now? Yeah, I think we got to look at, at different things. We're always checking out what we do, and and you know, I mean, obviously, anytime if you give me the pencil last, I can make anybody not sound. You know, um, so it, it, you know whoever has it last to want to drop the play last. So uh, you look at it as a whole in the big picture of things of what we do, and and um, you know, to me, our biggest thing to me, I want to see is consistency of play, and that's out of every aspect of our program. I've just seen, uh, you know, uh, we had a lot of new faces on the field this year, uh, you know, and obviously injuries added to more of that. Uh, and uh, you want to get some consistency of play, I think, is, is the huge part of that we're always looking for, uh, you know, on, on offense, defense, and special teams. And, uh, you know, I think we, we've seen that at times, and then there's other times where we're just, you know, there's some glaring inconsistencies that jump out there that have hurt us during the, at different times during the season. Okay, so, again, these are not questions that uh, Dan Mullen wants going into the toughest game he's got 
this season, but it is what it is in Gainesville. And again, all this negativity, all these questions, all these concerns, you can put a pin in all that if you turn around, go to Jacksonville, get you a W against the number one team in the country in Kirby Smart, heated rival. Cannot wait to see how this thing plays out. And uh, hey, I hate to cut this one short. This is probably the shortest one we've done in a while, but having issues with my camera, it's about to die. All right, guys, so I'm going to cut this one short. That's all I've got on this episode. A little bit shorter of a podcast here. Running on fumes. A lot going on here with Cousin Jothan still in town. Cousin Shane scheduled to be back on the next episode. Who knows with that guy if he'll show up, when and where. But, uh, hey, we've got other matchups in the SEC. Cannot wait to break down. We'll talk some more Florida and Georgia on the next episode. But I do appreciate each and every one of you for stopping by. We'll catch you on the next one.